the final hour on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590 Fan. We have sparked the Greek mythology professors to open up their cell phones mm. and to send in some updated information that we a lot of A lot of university-educated folks. The folks? No, it's Medusa, mm-hmm. not Midas, folks. But the problem is we kind of combined both of these iconic figures in our past, Medusa and Midas, because I said, oh, gold, and you thought of Midas, but I also said the I thing, which is mm-hmm. Medusa. Nonetheless, folks, we combined them, and it's Medusa. Yeah, the offspring. offspring. The offspring of Medusa and Midas. Kevin Medusa Kiermaier. is basically Kevin Kiermaier, yes. (laughs) Thank you for the information, folks. Tangents aren't our specialty. No, like, you can't make a a historical mistake when the listeners are listening. No, you can. Keep us on our toes. Yeah, you get, you know, you get the right Actually, this show is educational as well. For us, mainly. (laughs) For the kids driving to school that are going to go to their Greek mythology classes today, they are prepared for the Med- Medusa Midas debate. Medusa's got some powers, by the way. There's that commercial. It wasn't like Amazon <laughs> my, or something my with only the sunglasses. No, my only knowledge of these mythological people, mm-hmm. folks, and, you know, celebrities, not celebrities, are the commercials in which they are appropriated. <laughs> well, we'll talk more Greek mythology another time. Because we got Alex Wong, producer and co-host of the Raptor Show. He got up bright and early. We made him wait three minutes. Sorry about that, Alex. How are you this morning? Uh, what's going on, Ailish and Justin? I have no idea. I have no idea what tangent you guys are doing, but you know, I'm happy, happy to talk to my two favorite people in the morning. The only two people I ever talk to in the morning. I appreciate that. We are talking about Greek Greek mythology. Just anything to not talk about the Toronto Raptor. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, we can also we can also uh, skip the raptors. Yeah. What's you your like. background on Greek mythology? Like, hey, is there a favorite <laughs> Greek goddess? That you oh God. Yeah. We could talk. Exactly. We, we, we could we could talk Leafs. You know, I oh. could be I could be your new oh, uh, kicker. We're, we're oh, getting we a prediction for you we uh, might get at the it. end of the interview for sure. Oh, yes. let's do that. Let's do that. I'm All excited. Right. I'm excited. So I think congratulations, sort of in order, uh, reached the end of what was. <laughs> Would you say the most forgettable season that you've ever experienced as a Raptors fan? No, it's definitely it's definitely up there. One of the most forgettable. You know, I was thinking about the season coming off the the loss to the Chicago Bulls earlier this week, and you know the Raptors were two games over five hundred three times this season. Like that was a season high for them. They were literally a five hundred team throughout the entire 82 game schedule you know they had to spend a couple months um you know getting back to that 500 mark they only had one win streak all season over three games and uh, you know i think for for them to finish the season 41 and 41 and then lose the playing game i think i think it's perfect that this team will forever be one game under 500 mm. um in in the record so i think that perfectly describes just how frustrating this season has been Okay, so maybe up there in the most forgettable, but is it the most disappointing? Especially because of the off season and the trade deadline and where he fell short and one se- one game under five hundred, like all that context. Most disappointing Raptor season ever. Um, 
Ever, I'd have to think about because I just feel like, um, you know, for people who've watched the Raptors, you know, over the the decades, there's been a lot of disappointing teams. But for sure, Ailish, I think most disappointing team since uh, Masai has taken over the team, and I don't think it's even close. Uh, there's there was so there was a lot of expectations for this team coming in, and if you want to measure them against those expectations coming into the season, if you want to say those expectations were unrealistic. Um, you know, you, you'd be right uh, at this moment, but, you know, this team won 48 games last year and, and many people, including myself, expected them to just make a natural jump from how they performed last year. And especially in the second half of the season, going into the playoffs, just so much frustration. And you look across the board at the individual players, you look at the team play, it's hard to really find even pick one single positive. I mean, you could look at someone like Pascal who, you know, had a near All-NBA season. You can look at OG Ananobi leading the league in steals. But, you know, overall, it was just a huge disappointment that this team just never came together over the 82 games. Okay, so we've had uh, almost 48 hours, approaching 48 hours of time to let the, the dust settle. And we had the... Media Day moments yesterday, the press conferences. Um, what was the biggest thing? We'll start with the biggest takeaway that you had from yesterday and we'll work through because I'm, I'm sure there was a couple of things that you guys circled, but the biggest thing that you left with maybe an answer to a question or a question that was left unanswered and addressed in this maybe in this next couple months. Yeah, I think I think the biggest thing that has to stand out is the, the main storyline going into the offseason, the number one storyline, and that has to be Nick Nurse's future with the team. You know, he he was certainly pushed by the media yesterday to speak more on it, you know, ever since his his infamous presser in Philadelphia when he talked about having to evaluate his future in the summer and sit down and think about his 10 years in the organization. He he didn't want to walk back those comments because those comments were pretty untimely two weeks before the the play-in tournament. You know, I don't think there was any clarity, not that anyone was expecting any clarity yesterday outside of Nick actually going to the podium and, and saying that he wasn't going to return as head coach. You know, he still has one year left on his contract. But based on all the speculation and based on all the comments that he made yesterday, uh, you know, that story is not going to go away. And at some point, Masai and Bobby are both are going to speak with the media. I assume that's going to be coming next week. Uh, that's going to be the main question that they're going to be asked and you know aside from all the players that are going to be hitting free agency you know aside from them being in in the nba draft and all these things that they have to consider for roster construction that's got to be the number one thing that that has to has to be taken care of is who's going to be the head coach next season do you expect them to come to a conclusion on nurse before Masai and Bobby speak to the media. Like that would make a lot of sense from a PR perspective. However, I guess that's assuming uh, that a decision has to be made, right? Like I guess no news would be good news uh, depending on how you look at it. If you're Nick nurse, Um, but like to go to a press conference with either Masai or Bobby or both with these questions, like I I just don't know how they stick handle that. Yeah. And you know, I think it's interesting because I think some of this is in Nick Nurse's court, too, uh, in terms of what he wants to do. You know, he's a coach that still has one year left on his contract. And, you know, the the, the comment that struck out to me yesterday is he said he was going to make the best decision for the organization. And, you know, to me, that sounds like a coach that might be thinking about, um, you know, other job availabilities and, and thinking about whether he is the right coach for this team. 
moving forward in terms of the timing you know the draft lottery is coming up in mid-may and you know the nba playoffs are starting this weekend you know nick has been linked to the houston rockets who who are right now a rebuilding team even though all the reports are that the rockets are going to be spending money this year to try to be competitive um you know signing free agents over the summer they're in the lottery for victor victor Wembayama. if i were nick though like i would wait a little bit because you know there's going to be teams that are going to disappoint in the playoffs so there could be more attractive job openings. Um, I don't know if any Raptors fans want to imagine Nick Nurse as a, you know, say head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. But, you know, I think, you know, there's going to be other job openings. You want to see who lands Victor Wambayama in, in the draft lottery. So I feel like this might take a couple of weeks to play out. Yeah, that's fair. And it definitely would be limiting for... Uh, Nick Nurse, unless he decided, yeah, I w- like Houston's it, and I want to be there, and you know, they're going to get a good player regardless. And I, I did, did he start his career there? You're definitely, uh, you know, coached in that organization uh, or in that area before, so maybe that's just it. But again, that would be limiting because there's a lot that has to be decided here uh, from a coaching carousel. Uh, standpoint uh we saw some of the maturity i think from fred that we didn't see from nick nurse at least at it points this season or at points in several press conferences like it just seemed like that was a, a player who knows himself his team the situation and if we could just inject him with true serum or have him talking we'd learn everything about what ails this team but he has to keep things close to the vest because that's what leaders do uh, and my take from the press conference and really yesterday was that it's a good thing that he has some leverage because unlike Nick, I'm confident that Fred is going to do what's right for him first, but he's not going to trail the Raptors along. Like if whatever is decided with Fred, whatever the Raptors want to do, whatever he wants to do, I just don't feel like he will manipulate the situation where it will hurt the Raptors. Uh, that might be a bit hopeful, but from Fred and what we heard from him, it just I, I just have confidence that this situation is going to resolve itself in a manner that uh, is productive for both sides. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, you know, I love the idea of calling Nick Nurse uh, immature, by the way. I might, um, I might roll with that. No, but I actually agree with you on that, too, in terms of just how Nick... Um, you know, has has handled kind of these coaching rumors the last couple of weeks. You know, with regards to Fred, you know, one one of the most eye-opening things from him yesterday was he was brutally honest about the Raptors needing to find a new identity. Mm-hmm. You know, when he was asked about what, you know, what the Raptors need for, for next season. You know, he talked about how, you know, the chaos and the freedom that they play with and this identity that they had embraced last year with their defensive schemes had given them a lot of success. But he also talked about how you can't just learn these things by osmosis and say that you're a championship organization. You know, the championship is so far in the rear view now, if you really want to look at it. And for the past three seasons, you know, they've, you know, they missed the playoffs in Tampa. You know, they, they lost in the first round to Philadelphia last season and they lost in the play in this season to Chicago. And if you look at that three year window, you know, the, the Raptors are definitely in a much different spot now than when they had won the championship. You know, Fred is going to be another big storyline in the offseason. You know, I think, as you said, Justin, that's going to be a big decision for the team, too. You know, um, by all accounts, you know, Fred can opt in to, to, you know, the last year of his contract, but likely he's going to go to free agency. And he's talked very openly about the money that he's going to want, um, you know, upwards to, to $30 million a season. And I think there's going to be a lot of evaluation for, for Masai and Bobby, to, to look at Fred as, as one of many pieces that they have to look at and decide. Um, you know, I think from a leadership standpoint, you know, Fred is a, is a really, like you mentioned, a really reasonable and sound voice um, in the locker room. But, you know, after a season like this, I think the front office is going to look at 
all of these players and, and see if they need to actually now go ahead and make major changes to this core group. I'm glad you brought up that Fred quote um, about needing to find another identity because that was one of the biggest things I took away as well. I think it was maybe the most candid and honest um, not a shot, but a call out of the way the team is constructed, not only roster wise, but how the coach is deploying those players or developing those players and the players themselves, not, you know, buying into one singular identity or picking the right direction. Now, I wonder if they need to go find another identity. There's no way really around that that doesn't include big changes, right? You can't just make little tweaks and, as he said, osmosis and, and try to integrate way different strategies. So, the big change, would that just be Nick Nurse or is there more that needs to happen in terms of creating a new identity? Yeah, it's so hard to predict what this front office is going to do, right? Like I'm sure even for for you guys uh, before the trade deadline, you know, thinking about this Raptors team, you know, you guys were probably expecting them to to make major moves and, and maybe trade some of their pieces and, and start retooling the roster. And, you know, obviously they didn't do that and they went the other way and acquired Jakob Pertl. Um, You know, I, I, I could see this team making the the head coaching change and, and bringing in someone new and making that the focal point of of a new identity you know a lot of times when when a coach comes in uh, i think a new coach oftentimes you know teams look for qualities that you know the the outgoing coach doesn't have so i don't know what that is you know there'll be a change in the way that they approach defense it'll be you know a change in how they play in the half court I could easily see the organization, you know, selling the fact that a new head coach is, is going to take this core group and, and you know, kind of put these players into more defined roles. And that's how they're going to take a, you know, take a step forward next season. But, you know, I think I'm with a lot of the fans as well in that something about this this roster you know, has to be rejigged in, mm-hmm. in some way. You know, maybe it's an addition by subtraction. Maybe it's a major trade in, in in the trade market. It's just, you look at this group, there's a lot of talented individual players, but you look at the 82 games, well, the 83 games that they played, and, you know, I, I just feel like there's something that isn't working with this group. And, and I think that's another big question, Ailish, going into the summer is like, has the front office recognized that because, you know, they, they punted, you know, the timeline into the summer during the trade deadline. And now they, they finally have to make these decisions. I feel like it's an impossible question to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because uh, the Nick nurse thing aside, roster construction standpoint solely, like what a successful off season would look like to you. Yeah. It's so hard because I'm always like, they need to take one guy and, you know, they need to add a creator uh, a ball handler, a creator, a facilitator on offense, because, you know, to me, it seemed like all season there was just like one too many guys looking for their own shot on on offense. And, you know, that led to, you know, Masai openly calling out this team for a lot of selfish play. But if I think about it that way, though, like the Raptors don't even have enough offense and enough shooters as it is. So, you know, how do you subtract from this roster you know, maybe take away an individual score, add more creation, um, but then also still have enough shooting on the roster. So it's it's hard for me. You know, I think I think that a successful offseason would start with them bringing back Jakob Pertl, who they traded for, who's an unrestricted free agent. I think a successful offseason would be seeing if Pascal, um, you know, they can come to terms with Pascal on an extension. But a successful offseason would also mean adding to the bench you know the bench was a problem all season the bench has been a problem for i want to say the past three seasons 
And you saw that again in the playing game in a must win game. So there's just so many pieces for me. And, and then, you know, that's not even mentioning figuring out the contract situations of Fred and Gary, you know, it's such a hard question to answer just because the Raptors can go in so many direct different directions this summer. We're talking to Alex Wong, producer and host of the Raptors show, which you can listen to later today. And I'm sure you'll be breaking down a lot of what we heard um, yesterday in the press conference, but we didn't hear from Masai or Bobby Webster, and we will hear from them in the upcoming days. And I wonder what do they need to say to allow for some confidence or some comfortability maybe for the, the time being. And secondly, when is the pressure and the conversation really directed to them? Has it reached that point where we start thinking about the higher ups or is it start with Nick Nurse and then they get, you know, another season of trust in Masai and the way the Bobby Webster and him have constructed this team or have we kind of entered that also pressure index for them? Yeah, you know, the one thing I want to hear from Masai and Bobby is just an honest evaluation of this season, right? You know, I think a lot of us were expecting that at, at the trade deadline. And, you know, when Masai did take the podium after trading for Jakob Pertl, you know, I, I think, you know, he he wanted to, he said that he wanted to give this team a chance with with a real center in the starting lineup and before making those decisions. So so I want to know now, now that we're a couple months um, after the trade deadline and after this disappointing end to the season, you know, how does Masai really feel uh, about this team? You know, we, we know that Masai likes to, you know, play things close to the vest, so probably not going to hear that. Uh, but in terms of the pressure for the front office, you know, I do think, you know, they still have a lot of goodwill and equity in the organization um, just just from the championship. And I, I think, you know, I, I'm sure I'm sure ownership probably looks at them as, you know, they've had a rough patch here. Um, you know, especially this season, but I still think there's a bit of runway for them. But I will say this is a very critical summer for them, right? You know, the Raptors do have a chance to maybe go into the luxury tax if that's one route that they want to go. Um, and, you know, the playoff revenues aren't coming in. You know, they were only able to get the one playing game this season and, you know, um, three home games last year against the Sixers. That You know, I think they're definitely under pressure, you know, having traded their first round pick next year as well. There's just expectations that they have to get back to a certain level of winning. And it's not going to be like they're going to be able to do this over a two, three year period. They've kind of locked themselves in into having to perform and win now right away, at least for next season. So, you know, I, I do think once the dust has settled on who the head coach is going to be on the roster construction, you know, all eyes are definitely going to be on the front office heading into next season. So it's Kyle versus DeMar tonight for a chance to go to the NBA playoffs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Does that uh, pique your interest uh, in the slightest? You know, it piques my interest if, uh, you know, I think I saw a headline yesterday. I think it was United Airlines was flying DeMar DeRozan's daughter, DR, offered to Wait, fly actually or no? to Miami. Yeah, I, oh, I feel yes. like that was, I, you, know, <laughs> you know, this is my problem if I can go on a one-minute rant. You know, please, this is a please. very, this is a great story. And I'm sure the two of you talked about it as well, mm. um, how, how a 10-year-old potentially, uh, you know, ended an NBA team season or played a huge hand <laughs> in that. But we got to we got to let these stories just go away after we've talked about them, like in a 24-hour <laughs> news cycle. You know, now this is yes, going to be. Oh, this girl's going to be like an is... <laughs> influencer for like uh, squeaky toys and for pets. Exactly. Like exactly. Listen, I want I want all the influencers in this world to thrive, um, especially a 10-year-old. But like. You know, I feel like we just have to beat every story into the ground. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it was really cool that she did this in Toronto. Like, you know, we don't need this to happen. Like, if I hear DJ Khaled screaming tonight, you know, whenever DeMar DeRozan's at the line, you know, cheering on the Miami Heat, that's when I know that we've jumped the shark. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
Demar and Kyle is is interesting. Um, you know, I I suppose you know Kyle had a great game in, in, in the play in and the loss to Atlanta, but you know he's had an up and down season. Um, you know, I think I'm really interested to see. You know, this Bulls team that was a really impressive comeback here in Toronto. I really want to see if they're they're going to be able to kind of complete that and then get the eighth seed. I think the OVO video board update uh, software update has to include the DR DeRozan screeches uh, to get them them ready ready for next season. No, Cuthbert, that's a, that's a, you know, great minds think alike. You know, I was telling Will yesterday, you know, they've got that Noah scoreboard, but what they really need is the, what they really needed was the DR system. Mm. You know, when guys are practicing free throws, um, you know, during the season, I feel like it would have made, I still cannot believe they miss 18 free throws. That's actually crazy. It's actually crazy. DeMar DeRozan's daughter (laughs) was screaming like, Like I cannot. Why do the Raptors always do this? Why couldn't they just, you know, lose like 98 to 95? You know, they shot 33% from the field, just like a very traditional loss. You know, why no. Why do they always got to go viral? Hey, you live and learn. Like, it's better that it happened in a game that uh, Raptors fans weren't even sure that they were like dying to see uh, be like a, a successful outing for the Raptors. So better then than when uh, expectations are a little bit higher. Uh, when you look beyond Kyle and DeMar, uh, look at the NBA slate, slate or start uh, um, ready to go for this weekend. Uh, where does your allegiance land beyond those two? Yeah, I'm really excited for uh, a couple of series in, in the Western Conference. I think Lakers and Grizzlies is is going to be really fun. You know, LeBron and Anthony Davis going up against this young Memphis Grizzlies team. You know, I can't wait to see what Dylan Brooks shows up. Um, you know, in the tunnel with for for his game one fit. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a really fun series. <laughs> but, you know, the, the the main event for me has to be the Warriors taking on um, the Sacramento Kings. Our you know, beam Sacramento team. is not mm-hmm, like they haven't been in the playoffs since 2006. Meanwhile, you've got this Warriors team who like couldn't win on the road all season, but they're getting Andrew Wiggins back. And you look at Steph Curry's track record, especially in the Western Conference, you know, when this team has been fully healthy in the past like half decade. You know, not a single team in the West has been able to challenge them, but they're going to start the series on the road. So it's, you know, for me, it's just looking at the Western Conference. You know, you look at teams from from one to one to seven. They still got to determine the eight seed tonight. You can make you can make a case for a lot of these teams to, to make the finals. And at the same time, you can make a case for why a lot of these teams are going to get bounced in the first round. And, and you know, I think that's I think that's where all the interest is going to be, at least for the first round is, is in the Western Conference. So what does a Raptors offseason look like for Alex Wong, producer and host of the Raptors show? You hitting the links? You big golf guy? You playing some tennis? Like, what happens with all your free time? Yeah, I should have picked up tennis during the uh, during the pandemic. So, so regrettably, you know, maybe if another... There's always time. Pandem- maybe if there, another pandemic ah. happens. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, I know my dad's a big golfer, so so I'll definitely be out there, you know, planning a planning a trip to to visit Korea and Japan as well. Oh, wow, that's um, awesome. At some point. Yeah, yeah, Sportsnet Management, I'll be emailing you about my days off There's soon. There's probably some sports and go cover there, though. Like, you know, make it a work trip. <laughs> yeah, no, please, no, please, no more sports after this <laughs> Raptors season. True. No, but like, you know, the, the Raptors show, you know, we're still going to be here um, throughout the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, we we're mentioning the Leafs earlier. Um, I think we, I think our show, which runs 2 to 3 p.m., is, is going to go off air to podcast only um, depending on when the Leafs get eliminated. Ooh, so um, so never. I, guess I don't know if I don't know if I have to uh, actually root <laughs> against the Leafs because I don't I don't want to do that as everyone knows you know I'm I love to bandwagon the Leafs for a, a single round every season. <laughs> okay, so what's the the official Alex Wong prediction? Leafs Listen, Lightning. 
Listen, I ran this by Sam McKee, oh, and he boy. agreed with me. I didn't run it by Kipper, so I'm um, not sure how solid this is. But, uh, you know, Leafs are going to win in five games in the first round. You know, I think there's been so much stress about, you know, them getting out of the first round and all the moves that they made at the trade deadline. And, you know, this is not going to be no stress, no stress, no six-game series, no seven-game series. Uh, you know, I think the Leafs are going to take care of business, and then um, they're going to beat the Boston Bruins too, all right? Wow, um, even Alex. Though the, even, Let's though, go. even though, as I explained to Will yesterday, the Boston Bruins are the 72-10 and 10 Bulls. Um, <sighs> but but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're going to do it. And I don't know who they're going to see in the conference finals. Carolina, maybe. I don't know. The Rangers. Um, they'll take care of that, who too. Who cares you know at this that point, the, eh? This is the year, Leafs fans. You know, this, this is the year. Alex Wong at 8 a.m. giving you all the hope in the world. You know what, Alex? I'm on record saying Leafs in five, too. So you and I can be a part oh, of that wow. journey together, Gosh, and we'll see how that ages, okay? You just got to kind of stick stick it all on the yeah. line there, and who knows, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, can I can I text 590-590? Is there do. a contest for playoff tickets? What's going on? Yeah, you, Leafs in five. 590-590, code word <laughs> Alex Wong. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Well, buddy, we appreciate you joining us this morning i know you guys got lots to cover over the next little while hopefully you get some real answers hopefully you get some good uh some good responses from bobby and Masai when they do talk and enjoy the playoffs maybe a little low stakes for you guys yeah thanks to you both i uh, look forward to talking to you soon all right we'll chat down the road alex wong producer and host of the raptors show now we talked about greek mythology and i found a way to connect that to the toronto raptors okay let's hear it mitch marner's dog's name is zeus it is and Zeus is a famous mythological god. Is that what it is, God? Because yeah, I completely he is fumbled that earlier. He's the god of I the sky. I didn't know what to say because there's not a creature. He's the god of the sky in and ancient Greek I mythology. Said celebrity. And we're going to shoot for the sky and the stars in Leaps in Five for okay. Zeus. So there you go. There's your Greek connection of the day. There's some swelling. I feel it. I feel like everyone's on the Leafs. I feel like people see it that same way. Isn't Kipper Greek too? Oh, what a Greek, Greek show! As it gets. <laughs> hey, you listen from the Danforth. Let's go. We should press him next time on uh, Greek mythology. Yes, we should. I don't know how that'll go. We'll see. Maybe he'll completely surprise us. Maybe he's got it down. He's got a whole Apple Notes that he's been typing out about his thoughts on Greek mythology. What was that? Like he writes his columns. It's on actually iPhone? outrageous. We should have dug deeper into that. What is going on there? We just kind of let it go. But Kipper writes his Toronto Star columns, which is at least a thousand words. Like, you got to put in a thousand words, I think. Uh, uh, maybe a little short of a 500, thousand. 500. Whatever. 500 word essays on Apple Notes on your iPhone. I don't know how he does it. He grinds for us here at Sportsnet. What a guy. Well, he does that. For and the Toronto Star. Star. Nonetheless. Big day for Greek mythology and greek and greeks guess i don't think jonathan von tobel is greek i would say he probably is not maybe there's some, sounds dutch we could talk about the greek freak though we can damn i got it nailing it today senior nba betting analyst is going to join us on the other side he's going to help us look ahead at the nba playoffs and uh set some predictions for us help us work through what our bracket's going to look like i just want the beam team to do well and be happy and to light the beam that's it on the other side of the break. Wake and rake. So send in your picks 59590 and we'll get to that after Jonathan. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! 
Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. I couldn't believe my eyes when I just saw this text message in from Jim. Today is also the Greek Good Friday and Easter weekend for the Greek Orthodox and also myself as Bulgarian Eastern Orthodox. It is our Greek weekend, or I mean our Easter weekend as well, so. There you go. I, the day is you can't get any more Greek. Stars are aligning. It is. So happy Easter to those that celebrate this weekend as well. Just, wow. You got, a, you got plans? Go Greek. Big plans this weekend? I'm, I'm going to have to make some. There you go. Hit the Danforth. Okay, before we uh, get to that, we got to wrap up the show. We got to get our wake and rake, but we got to get some insight on the NBA playoffs, which begin this weekend. To do that, we are pleased to be joined by Jonathan Van Tobel, senior NBA analyst, betting analyst, that is, for VEASAN and host of the Hardwood Handicappers podcast. Good morning, Jonathan. Morning, guys. How's it going? Uh, going pretty good. Uh, we appreciate you jumping on with us to talk a little basketball and a little betting basketball. Uh, the tightest series right now, Surprisingly so, at least in terms of like where we stood with the L.A. Lakers at a point in the season is the Lakers and Grizzlies. Uh, In terms of first round intrigue, sometimes the NBA lacks that because there are often some pretty sizable favorites. Uh, But this one looks like it's going to be a good one and it is close to a coin flip. So how do you handicap the series LeBron versus our guy Dylan Brooks and whether the Lakers push here late season is a real one? Yeah, and it, and it's a two and a seven, right? That makes it more intriguing. It's not like these are like a four or five matchup. It makes it pretty tight. No, I think, look, the thing that ultimately makes the difference is the injuries for the Memphis Grizzlies. Brandon Clark's injured. Uh, of course, Steven Adams is injured, and they're both not going to play in the postseason. And those are two really big front court pieces that aren't going to be there for the Los Angeles, excuse me, for the Memphis Grizzlies. And the Lakers, of course, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, it's going to be hard to match up with them. And the best front court defender is Jaron Jackson Jr., but he's got foul trouble. You know, he averages 3.4 fouls per game. He did averaged five in three games against the Lakers. It's going to be a really tough matchup, I think, for them, especially if Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to get in foul trouble, which we can nearly guarantee because he's done it all year long. And if he's not going to be out there, all of a sudden their thinnest position is now even thinner if they can't do their normal rotation. So I, I think it's a really good matchup for the Lakers, just given all of the shortcomings. It's not going to be easy by any stretch. Uh, but at least for my money, I had the Lakers moving on. I bet them to do it. And you can get a little funky with it, too. If you got some places that offer some alt-like series spreads, you can go Lakers minus one and a half at a plus price. But uh, I think that the Lakers are the team, to, the team to move on in that matchup for sure. Lakers just to move on, what I'm seeing, plus 120. So plus money just to move on. And, yeah, you can uh, go the alt line and get uh, even more uh, plus money if you so choose. Uh, the series I think that we have our eye on the most is the Warriors and Kings, uh, the six-seeded Golden State Warriors, massive, not massive favorites, but minus 275, pretty considerable favorites out of their position given that, hey, they got to win at least one game on the road, and that's been a big struggle this season, and they'll have to do in Sacramento and against a team that has scored at a really, really high clip this season. I mean, I guess we could just lean single-game overs given the fact that these two teams can definitely score the basketball, but if you had to approach this one from a betting perspective, where would you lean between these Warriors and the Kings? You know, so I like to approach series, and you can bet them in different ways to support your own convictions, right? So, for example, I think the Kings are going to be much more competitive than the market would give them credit for. You know, they're a very good offense. In fact, they led the league in offensive efficiency and on garbage time. The Warriors are the third worst road defense in the NBA, and they're going to have Andrew Wiggins back, which sounds pretty good, but it sounds like off the bench for about 20, 25 minutes, so it's not going to be as big of a role 
as a normal starter would. And if the Kings are able to still, you know, play at their level offensively and take advantage of a Warriors team, and namely a Warriors bench that can't defend very well, well, this series should go a little bit longer. So you can bet like over five and a half games at a minus price. I think it's about minus 150 or so. Uh, I think that's a really good way to kind of back the Kings without fully, like full-throated betting on them to win this series. But I would just say that I think the market's just a little too high. Like these flaws don't just go any like disappear, right? Because it's the postseason, and those bench units are still going to be really bad defensively for the Golden State Warriors. I think the Kings are going to be really competitive. I I kind of backed them there by betting the series over five and a half games, but I think they're pretty live, and I think there is value in that plus number uh, when you're talking about the outright series price. All right, let's move over to the East East Coast here. Uh, Knicks and Cavs, one of the most competitive uh, series that we're going to see. Um, we're looking forward to, you know, we're, we're done here in Raptors land, so we're just watching as casual fans. Do um, you have any reason to have any confidence in the Knicks, or how do you evaluate, like, the betting perspective on uh, one of those series uh, that we're going to have our eyes yeah. on? I, you know, I think it's all about Randall, right, and whether or not he's going to be healthy. And so... We're getting more and more like positive news. It sounds like that maybe he's going to be ready for game one. We'll see if that's going to be officially the case. But the Randall kind of makes everything. Because when you go back and watch their regular season matchups, you know, especially their win in New York, they, they, um, they, they had a really good like matchup dynamic in that. Like in the second half of their, their last game in New York, they had to put Jared Allen, the Cavaliers did, on Julius Randall because he was having such a big game. And that forced Evan Mobley to guard their center. Well, Mitchell Robinson didn't play that game. So if the Cavs are forced to make that matchup switch again, well, now Mitch Robinson gets to work the offensive glass against a smaller Evan Mobley. So, like, that's a matchup advantage for the New York Knicks. Isaac Okoro is a little banged up. We'll see if he's actually going to be fully healthy for the Cleveland Cavaliers because if he's not fully healthy, well, then you're talking about Lamar Stevens out there on the wing defending the best offensive player for the Knicks. And he's a fine defender, but he only shoots about 26% from three from the corners. So Knicks can help off of them. They don't have to worry him as a, about him as a threat, as a shooter. So it just kind of condenses the floor for the Cavaliers. Like I think there's a lot that the Knicks can do, but it, it all depends on whether Julius Randle is going to play. So I think the way you can do it, you wait until Randle and see what his uh, status is going to be. You can also wait until after the series start because you can always go in between games and bet on these series. But I, I think like a series spread, right? You know, Knicks plus one and a half games at a minus price. So you can even get a little bit heavier on the juice to go two and a half games. But I think like a one and a half games of the New York Knicks would be pretty good. I think they're going to be pretty competitive here with the Cavaliers. Uh, five of the eight series will be considered, I guess, non-competitive by the odds makers, uh, minus 500 or greater. Uh, Philly, Boston, Phoenix already locked into those series, and eventually Milwaukee and Denver will get there. Maybe Denver won't be that extreme, but I guess the expectation should be uh, that they will move on and advance comfortably. But when you look at those five series and potential lines uh, with Milwaukee and Denver once we finish the play in here, is there any heavy favor that you wouldn't be comfortable laying the two and a half on the spread with like which one which of these five teams could get pushed to a six or a seventh game uh would you uh, the phoenix would probably be in there right because phoenix is minus like 500 My, I, I yeah, would say, minus 500 yeah I, I would say it's phoenix i mean look so the the suns are the suns are going to be good right and kevin durant's really good uh but to base like this really high rating of phoenix off of eight games Three opponents that they faced were not playing teams. Three of the other were playing teams. And then the other two games were against Denver, which Jokic didn't play in either, and they didn't play their starters in another. So, like, Phoenix's sample size, the data is 540 possessions of Kevin Durant against essentially non-playoff teams. It's not really a great sample size to base a lot of evidence on. 
And like the the Clippers have a lot of things going for them. They they've started to figure out their bench rotations in a really big way. Uh, they've now with Marcus Morris out of the starting lineup, Russell Westbrook and Kawhi Leonard have a plus eight point seven net rating when they're on the floor together. Like there's there's a lot of really good things that work for the Clippers that they come into this series with, and they also have a pretty solid size along the perimeter. You know, they have, there are a bunch of switchable wings, and they like to switch a lot. That's going to bother the Phoenix Suns. And the thing that really bothers the Clippers. It's like north-south speed, right? Guards that can get dribble penetration. Well, that's not what the Phoenix Suns are. They take over 75% of their attempts in some form of a jump shot. They're not going to force action within four feet of the basket. So I, I think that series is a lot more competitive than the market is given that credit for, too. And so that's one of those where you can get, like, Clippers plus two-and-a-half games at a really cheap minus 125. So you're saying no sweep, no five-game set. Um, you can also just, what I did, I bet that, and a small price on the Clippers at 4-1. to one. I think that that price is way way too high for a Phoenix Suns team we still don't know much about. Tonight we've got two final playing games, uh, the battle of former Raptors and the Bulls in the Heat with Lowry and DeRozan, which we'll have our eyes on, and then OKC and the Timberwolves. Now we've got OKC and the Bulls, both five-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, anyone able to maybe cover the spread or upset tonight? I think you're probably looking at Chicago, right? I mean, both of them are going to be pretty wide, but I think Chicago's at the top of the list. The Heat have just been this team where, like, the betting market – has like really been all over them all season long, and to, to no return. They're now thirty fifty one and two against the spread after their loss outright uh, the other night because like the market's just too high on them. And so now here we are again, where you're talking about this number at about five and a half. And one of the big changes for Miami from last year, you know, their new starting lineup. You got a lot of weak pieces to pick on, right? Maybe they're going to start Kyle Lowry because of the performance that he had the other night, but still. You're talking about a Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, maybe Tyler Hero. Like, those are all weak pieces that really good individual scorers can pick on. And Chicago's got a couple, right? You guys know one well. There's DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine. Like, there's guys that can take advantage of that. So I've just been kind of on this path of just playing against Miami. I played against them in the, in the, uh, the first matchup against Atlanta, and I'll play against them here with Chicago. How much do you think Dr. DeRozan would factor into the line moving if she does uh, make the trip to Miami tonight? <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say probably like about like a half point, right? Oh, that least. was incredible. I, I would love to hear audio of her just talking the next day. There's no way that voice was normal, right? No, I don't think so. But all, all we know is the screech. And that, that's it. It's, uh, it's yep. living in our heads forever. <laughs> Rent free uh, forever and ever. We'll have to deal with that one. Um, okay, so it's not the best time to uh, bet into the, I guess, outright market uh, for the NBA yeah. title because it's, you know, it's settled and there might not be any real edges when you get to this point in the year. But if you did look at that board, I mean, plus 250 right now for the Milwaukee Bucks is what I'm seeing. I mean, I do think that they're NBA or they should be title favorites at this point, but uh, you could probably do better just, you know, betting them along the way to get to that point. But the Denver Nuggets, you know, plus a thousand as a, as a top seed. Is there anything that stands out? The Golden State Warriors plus 900, what I'm seeing. Anything stand out when you look at the championship odds to close here? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably a couple different things, right? Like, for example, if you're if you believe that the Warriors are a flip the switch type team, I think, sorry, I dropped my phone. Uh, <laughs> if you're a if you're a team that believes the Warriors are going to flip that switch, right? You know, betting them to win the title because their side of the bracket is actually not going to be that hard. It, I assume that the Lakers are going to move on, like the winner of that one, and they get to the Western Conference Finals. I think that's maybe something to do. Remember, you can also bet like final matchups and exact outcomes. It's like a Boston, it's a Boston Celtics, Golden State Warriors finals is like 30 to 1, um, something like that. You know, you can kind of play with it and get a little bit more out of it. 
but I think your overall point is the right one, which is at this point right now, you should probably have your futures in pocket. And if you're trying to play teams, what you're trying to do is like bet series and then roll that money over into the next series and bet that and then roll that over to the next series and bet that because you'll get a little bit more out of it than the futures market gives you right now. I'm still holding up hope that my 55 to one on Sacramento to get to the um, uh, NBA finals could uh, play out for me, but maybe as a decent hedge, uh, put Golden State in at 900 now, given that they are in the better side of the bracket. Oh yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, so I've got, I've got the Warriors at nine to one to win the West and I've got, a, um, I've got a little bit tied up into the Clippers, but I'm also a big Clippers fan. So you can also take that analysis ahead on the Clippers with a, big, with a grain of salt. But, you know, generally with hedging too, you want to make sure that at least to get to the second round, maybe you can start working away, especially with yours. If it's a conference ticket, you're in a pretty good position. You can start doing that a little bit earlier. Yeah. Admittedly, I was a little disappointed that it was Golden State because I thought anyone but yeah. them, that mm-hmm. 55 to one would be very, very easy to make uh, profitable. But uh, Golden State is a difficult challenge for sure. For sure. For our beam team, uh, this was fun, Jonathan. We appreciate you coming on, getting up early for us, and uh, best of luck betting the NBA. And if uh, you ever need one of us for the NHL, let us know. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Jonathan Von Tobel, senior NBA betting analyst for VEASAN and host of Hardcore, or Hardwood, rather, Handicappers for, that's the podcast. Why don't you run down the picks that he handed out for some futures just to have them all in one nice concise list that's a good idea he likes uh the lakers on an alt so minus one and a half to mm-hmm. win the series versus uh the memphis grizzlies over total games kings and warriors so i like that you know, one you're a lot. going to six or seven there uh the clippers plus two and a half the knicks plus one and a half and the bulls tonight plus five and a half maybe we could put that maybe we get a in our wake four and leg wake and rake oh, i shouldn't get greedy because i've blown it twice this week all right <laughs> speaking of the wake and rake let's go through our picks and set our anchor up um i'm going to tonight's game toronto blue jays and tampa bay rays over team total for the tampa bay rays i hate it but i love it sorry about it we're gonna do it. it's over four and a half we just spoke highly about this team's offensive powers and they're coming into a Rogers center which will allow for such a thing and they're mm-hmm. playing against Ho- uh, jose bautista no jose barrios and so all those things considered i could see the tampa bay rays scoring five runs i will place that in our wake and rake over four and a half runs for the Rays. yeah it doesn't mean they're do, gonna do, win yeah, it, it just means that they might get some home runs or some hits yeah it doesn't mean it's an mlb record uh it just means that it's going to be probably uh more often than not you're getting runs against Jose Brios right now, and the Rays are as hot as hot can be, and that's a favorable ballpark. I mean, I, I feel like the handicap there is pretty sound, and I'm not going to argue much with you. Uh, I'm on a little bit of a run here on NHL betting, so I'm going to stay there, although I am tempted to just steal that Bulls pick because I like it too. But because it's been a nice run, I will uh, complete the regular season, and I will go with it's all about incentive for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the only team with incentive tonight is the Colorado Avalanche. We cannot, actually, we can barely, just barely play them on the money line, but I will take them in regulation. Uh, I believe that was minus 120. I did not write it down. Colorado in regulation over the Nashville Predators, minus 120. I was a little tempted to go the over because both teams played yesterday. UC Soros played yesterday in a win for Nashville. Maybe they're just like, ah, that was the season. Let's just kind of glide through this one because it doesn't mean anything to them. But for that reason, I guess the the better 
rationale would be that Colorado, who needs to win the division still, will get the win, and they'll do so in regulation. So Colorado, regulation over Nashville, uh, the final NHL regular season pick for me. I love that. Uh, Stay hot. So we've got Yankees money line. Don't see them losing after allowing nine runs in the first inning yesterday. That's Gary from Caledon. That was a messy, messy start. Uh, good morning, Ailish and Justin. Today I'm taking the Blue Jays on the money line. The Tampa Bay Rays are frauds. 13-0, Tampa Bay Rays are frauds. He agrees with Mad Dog. That's Chris from Kitchener. Have a good weekend. You too, Chris. Good morning, guys. I like Matt Fitzpatrick today in the three ball at the RBC Heritage Oper Open over uh, Max Homa and Fowler. You can also find Fitzpatrick in a two ball over Homa. Nice catch by Rose yesterday. Yep. That's Jarrett from Halifax. Jarrett from Halifax did nail that one. Justin Rose did win his three ball. Good morning, Ailish and Justin. Going simple, Jay's money line plus money. The Rays win streak comes to an end. Also likes Jimmy Butler over 26 and a half points because it's playoff mode. Jimmy, we didn't see that much in the first playing game. He tends to go off. Happy Friday. Courier, Chris. And Ajax today, moving around. Good morning, Corey from Port Hope here. For my wake and rake pick, I'll take the Angels to beat the Red Sox at minus 110. Red Sox are not good, as we talked about earlier. Uh, No, they're not. This is from Ron and Juliana. Uh, For today's anchor, take the OKC Thunder plus 5.5. Jules will take the over 9.5 in the Jays game tonight. Have an amazing weekend. Ron and Jules, you too. Jules kind of in line with my pick as well. Big over game. And finally, uh, Tim Tom from the Schwa. Good morning for today's Wake and Rake. I like the abs in regulation. They need at least one point for the division, and I don't think they'll let it get that close. There you go. I think we need one NBA selection tonight, and I think we should ride with SGA. Oklahoma City Thunder plus five and a half. That's Ron's pick. Okay. That's my vote. I like you it. You down with that? Whatever you want, Justin. It's your day. I want to play the Jared from Halifax p- picks, but I'm worried that people podcasting won't be able to get it in time. It's yeah, a little time tricky is that one? What time do they tee off? They're probably off in the afternoon, I would assume. I can take a quick look. Um, because otherwise we're really, I mean, we're two hours into the tee times at this point. So I'm seeing uh, 1.06 p.m. You want to do it? Your call. Thunder? You said it. I don't want to go back on it. I haven't been in Fred Hot this week, and you have. Okay, I'm just going to play. I'm going to play Fitzy for Jared from Halifax separately. Okay. Thank you for all of the picks. Jerry from Halifax has been pretty good with the, maybe our little specialist, Terry's tiptoeing into those waters. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard from Neil in a while. We need a big tennis tournament. Yeah, Neil's on vacay. He won so much money. So it happens. Traveling the world, catching us on podcast, not live for his wake and rake picks. That's okay. Do you want to know what I bet this morning in a, in a panic? Yeah, you got up at four and <laughs> yeah. laying down money. I started betting uh, NHL Futures prices. We're going to have the full breakdown on Monday and Tuesday. We'll, we'll go for it. But just because lines do move, I want to make sure that we're at least attentive to a few things. I did grab the Devils over the Rangers, minus 120. Oh, I series can't wait price. for that series. I think the Devils are better. It might be a little bit of a hedge because we both bet the Rangers. I just don't feel as confident I in them I did that. preseason. <laughs> uh, Boston Bruins, minus one and a half games over the Florida Panthers, minus 165. I paired that with the Devils plus two and a half just to get it closer mm. to even money. Uh, and the Hurricanes to win game one and win the series. I think they're going to get off on the right foot. Not as confident that the Islanders won't be tricky, but the Carolina Hurricanes to get a good start and win the series. That was plus 110. So those are a All couple right. of the bets that I was uh, getting down this morning. Also grab the Devils plus 450 to win in seven games because I think that's going to be the longest series and I do like the Devils. Okay, we'll do a full um, NHL preview next week. The series begin on Monday. Maple Leafs and Lightning will start on Tuesday night at Scotiabank Arena. 
We'll have lots of anticipation for that first round um, for the May Police. We'll talk about that Monday and Tuesday and get you all fired up. Um, Women's Worlds ends this weekend. Hopefully Canada, USA. Hopefully Sunday. Gold medal game. We'll see. Obviously bet Canada. And you got Jays facing the Red Hot Rays this weekend. You've got tonight, 7.07, tomorrow, 3.07, and Sunday, 1.37. Those are your first pitch times. Um, be a beautiful weekend in the city. Hopefully you get to get down there and see the dome. Hopefully it'll be open. All of that. And we have our RBC Heritage, our Fanex picks. You're looking good with Hovland. Hopefully he falls off, even though I like him a lot. Don't wish that on me. I know. Sorry about that. All right. Well, thanks for a great week. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and we'll be back Monday for the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's go. Woo!